There's something lurking in the woods. Something hiding behind the trees just out of sight. Making weird, eerie noises that you've never even fathomed can come from a creature on Earth. But it also seems to have the ability to sound just like your lost loved ones. Welcome back to the swamp, my friend, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Per usual, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hey Swamp Dweller and everyone in the swamp, this is the first time in 30-something years that I have shared this story, and it will only be the second time I have ever shared it. Sometime in 1993, my dad married this lady who owned a large tract of land. It was primarily covered in woods, which was great since I was a 14-year-old and a Tennessee country boy. Her land was in the BFE, or the middle of nowhere for non-country folk. The nearest neighbors were around three miles, so it was definitely the BFE. So when we moved there, it was in the spring, so I would explore the house and the land near the house. I can clearly remember my stepmom saying, don't go in the dark hollow, which was the holler that connected the very end of the land she owned to a road. The name fits, trust me. So I never really went over there until one day it had snowed like a foot or so, so there was no school. And like any country boy, I was going to go deer hunting, or at least I thought I was. So I was sitting in my stand, waiting for the daylight hours to come up. About 20 minutes later, a little spike poked out in front of my view. So I took a shot at it and hit him in the gut. It ran off, and I waited for about 30 minutes. I came down the hill, and I was starting to track him. And wouldn't you know, he came straight toward the dark hollow. I tracked the blood right down into the open. It was an easy trail thanks to the snow, but I had a weird, interesting feeling in my stomach. I got to the very bottom. The blood trail pretty much vanished, but there were other massive tracks, which in my teenage mind, I was thinking, who the hell would be out here barefooted? Then, after inspecting them a little bit more, I realized they were twice the size of my foot, and I wear a 12-size boot. I started freaking out, and decided to make my way back up the hill. Halfway up, I stopped and turned, looked toward the opposite hillside, and directly across, there was something that stood at least eight feet tall and covered entirely in hair. It had my little buck thrown over its shoulder, and this thing looked absolutely massive. The head was gone when I realized it was staring right at me. It then let out a roar that still sends chills down my spine. I was frozen there. I just could not move out of pure fear. I had my rifle in my hands but I could not move when it roared again. My body came back to life. I started moving up that hill pretty fast. I ran the two or three miles in Olympic time and finally got in the house. My stepmom said, what happened to you? So I sat down at the kitchen table and told her my tale. She laughed, which kind of pissed me off a little bit. But anyway, after she was done laughing, she said, didn't I tell you not to go into the dark hollow? I said, yes, ma'am. And she got serious and said, that is why you should not go back. When I tell you not to go somewhere, please don't go somewhere. I don't know to this day if that was a Bigfoot, 
a dogman, or what else it could have been. But I know I've never seen anything like that. And I still hunt, but not in that county. This is my story. Take it for what it is. The only three words I must describe are the scary truth. Hi, Swamp Dweller. This is a terrifying thing to say because I'm still shaken up from my experience. This only happened about a week ago. I was fishing on my dock on my private lake on Saturday. I was catching some nice-sized catfish and had quite a few in the bucket full of water. I heard this strange sound come from across the lake. It was maybe about 100 yards away. There is nothing around this lake but forest, and they go on for miles. We don't have any neighbors anywhere near us. Anyways, sorry for the rambling. This sound I heard was not typical. It was straight out of the norm. I don't even know how to describe it. I didn't know what I was listening to, and I've listened to everything from foxes, to owls, to coyotes, and bobcats. No, whatever I was hearing was something else. I had picked up a little scent from whatever this thing was, and it smelled absolutely horrible. As the light wind blew in my direction, I got a great whiff. It was like I was breathing in hot garbage and dead animals combined. The strange scent got closer to me, and I heard it again. It sounded monstrous, and I could not get over it. Whatever this thing was, it sounded like it was much bigger than I was. I was so scared as its roar got louder. It was definitely roaring at me. I just felt it in my bones. As far as I know, there are no bears in this part of Georgia, and I've never seen any reported around here. And they're not very common in the state as it is, but it sure did sound like something even worse than a bear. I started shaking in my boots, and I tried to shine my little flashlight in its direction, with no success as it only had a short distance beam. Still, I did have a floodlight on the dock pointed in the direction of the woods and captured a not-so-clear mirror image from the lake water. But the movement of the thing made it very clear that it was probably 10 feet tall or more. As I had raised my head to estimate its size, I would pretty much think that it was almost a primitive creature from its roaring sound and its size. This thing had started to walk around the lake and I could hear its footsteps splashing in mud. I stood utterly still hoping it would casually walk in a different direction from where I was standing. I couldn't see it very clearly as it came closer to the edge of the floodlight. I kept my floodlight pointed at it as it kept walking through the wet, muddy bank of the lake. In the distance of the beam, I could only make out a faded, reddish-brown hair on this thing, so I still don't know what it was. It had gotten so close to the dock, and that's when I was more shaken than ever, as I feared it would come up to me. I did not want to see this thing face to face, but luckily it didn't get that close. One thing I know for sure, though, that its size was absolutely massive, and I never felt more relieved as it walked past the dock. It was 50 feet away from the pier when I was standing there. I was sweating out of shock as it roared one last time and headed into the woods east of the dock. Please let me know if anybody has any idea what this thing could be. And thank you for sharing my short story, Swamp Dweller. Hi Swamp Dweller, my name is Lainey, and this is my story. It was the summer of 1968. I was eight years old and thrilled that school was out for the summer and freedom was at hand. I loved my summers off and was looking forward to our adventures with my cousin Jimmy. 
Jimmy was six months older than me and lived four houses down. Our families were very close and took vacations together and celebrated holidays. So Jimmy and I were tight. We were best friends. As great as I knew my upcoming summer would be, who could have thought it would be even better? Well, it could, and it did. It was a typical summer day off in June, and Jimmy and I had been out playing in the warm summer sun all day. It was dinner time, though, and time to come in. During dinner, Mom told us kids that she had something exciting to say to us. She explained that she and Dad had gone together with my Aunt Beulah and Uncle George, Jimmy's parents, and had purchased two adjacent one-acre lots out in the country, and we were going to build a cabin. My Uncle George had carpenter skills and my dad knew plumbing and electrical. It was meant to be. I was so excited. We would be staying in camper vans. My little eight-year-old brain started spinning. Summers were going to be one big camping trip with swimming, fishing, and forests to explore. I was bursting with joy. Lake Lorelei was the name of the gated community where we had purchased the lots. It had just opened, and a few lots had been sold. Lake Lorelei is in Brown County, Ohio. It now consists of a population of over 1,000 and is completely developed. But back then, it was the middle of nowhere and nothing but woods for miles and miles. The day came when we could finally see the property for the first time. Aunt Beulah and Uncle George loaded up into their camper, and my family did the same. Jimmy and I were more than excited, and the ride there was like waiting for Santa on Christmas Eve. It was endless. At last, we arrived. Jimmy and I jumped out of our respective cars to inspect the area. We were ecstatic. None of the lots around us were inhabited. All the lots to our left and right were lush fields of wildflowers, tall grass, and butterflies. Across the road from the property, the empty lots afforded a clear view of the pond across the street. About five lots down to the right was a small forest. My young brain did not question why those lots were not cleared to be sold. I was just excited that I had my own forest to explore. Jimmy and I began to explore every nook and cranny immediately. We left after breakfast in the morning, came home for lunch, and were back out until dinner time. We loved it. One day we became curious as to the name Lake Lorelei. Our parents explained that Lorelei was a siren from Norse mythology who sat on the rocks along the Rhine River and sang so beautifully that sailors would be so enchanted that they would lose all their senses and crash their ships, only to die watery deaths. We of course found this perfectly gruesome and awesome. As the summer passed, we eventually headed down to explore the small forest five lots down from ours. As we entered the woods, a creepy feeling descended upon us, but we continued on our way. We found a dilapidated, decaying old house in the forest. It was peaceful all around us, no birds chirping or any insects of any kind. The ancient house seemed to beckon us. It's like it wanted us to come inside, but something about it made me feel incredibly uneasy and I could tell Jimmy was feeling the exact same way. We looked at each other and said at the exact same time, I dare you to go first. We laughed at that, and it somewhat eased the tension in the air. It was a bright sunny day, but the house was set in a dark, overgrown spot in the forest. We both entered cautiously. The only audible sound was our footsteps as we stepped gingerly into the creaky, rotting floorboards of the house. The door was hanging off its hinges, and we moved it aside and went into the house. The atmosphere changed immediately. It was even darker and felt cold, although it was easily 80 degrees outside. 
we stood still and just quietly looked around. Not much was left. Some broken pieces of wood furniture, bits of old paper, and cobwebs all about. Even though we were young, we were smart enough to know that the floor did not look safe, and we hoped that there was no cellar. As my eyes scanned what once must have been the living room, the corner of a black and white photo laying behind some cobwebs and old newspapers, beckoning me to come look at it. I cautiously walked to the picture, ensuring that the old boards would hold my childish weight with each step. As I looked down at the picture, something about it was compelling, and I reached down and snapped it up. It felt cold in my hands. The edges were tattered, but the picture seemed to withstand time's ravages. It was a photo of a beautiful woman sitting on a rock of the shore of what appeared to be the lake. Though the image was black and white, I could tell her hair was a very pale blonde color. It was piled high on her head, with bewitching tendrils escaping and hanging down to frame her face. I could also tell that her eyes were a light icy blue. She had a slight smile and was dressed elegantly in a long dress from long ago. Jimmy noticed as I continued to inspect the picture and slowly headed over to see what I was looking at. Something about her was mesmerizing, but at the same time, I felt icy shivers up and down my spine, and I quickly dropped the photo. Jimmy reached down and picked it up, but I couldn't tell if he felt uncomfortable or whatever. We began to hear light laughter as he looked at the image in the picture. It was a woman's laugh. It was melodic, and just hearing it made you want to know the joke so you could join in. But suddenly, the laughter began to change. It went from a beautiful musical sound to a wicked, cackling noise. Jimmy and I were frozen on the spot, staring at each other with eyes as white as saucers. Then the evil laughter turned into a high-pitched scream. We did not need to hear any more. Jimmy quickly dropped the picture onto the floor and we bolted to the crooked door, no longer concerned about the rotting floorboards. We slid the entrance to the side and began to run through the forest as only eight-year-olds could. We leapt through fallen logs, dashed through heavy overgrowth, and dodged branches until we could no longer hear the horrific screaming. Once we reached the tree line, it was like we had crossed another world. Birds were chirping, butterflies were floating lazily on the gentle breeze, and the sun felt warm on our chilled skin. We slowed down to a walk, both of us quiet. Our uneasiness began to wane as we walked across the meadow and began talking about the entire experience. In our minds, the woman in the picture could only be Lorelai, the beautiful siren who lured sailors to their watery deaths. And as for the laughter and the scream, we both decided it would be best not to tell anyone, lest we be forbidden to explore and lose our freedom. But we never went back to those woods for the rest of the summer. Summer turned to fall and fall to winter and we didn't visit Lake Lorelei near as often. As the school year passed each month slowly, I got more excited for summer and the cabin. Finally, summer arrived. Much progress had been made on the cabin and I use that term loosely. As the foundation was down and the frame was up, it was apparent that it would be a big house. It consisted of five bedrooms, three bathrooms, a great room with a massive stone fireplace and a porch wrapped around three-fourths of the house. But it was not even close to being done. The shed was finished, Jimmy and his parents slept there, and my family slept in the camper. Another great summer began at Lake Lorelei, and Jimmy and I was looking forward to the upcoming weekend. A carnival was visiting the small town near us and our cousin Cheryl was going to spend the weekend. Although Cheryl was a mere six years old to our advanced eight years, Jimmy and I enjoyed her company immensely 
and were looking forward to showing her the property and had many adventures planned. Her parents dropped Cheryl off on Friday night and we were up bright and early on Saturday morning. Jimmy and I had so much to show her. We took her to a small pond, the excellent dam where the water trickled down to the big lake, Lake Lorelei, and everything else. Everything but one place. Later that day, Cheryl looked curiously down at the wooded forest and asked if we had ever explored there. Jimmy and I both felt strange and said we don't go there often and gave no specific reason. Before she could ask more, we changed the subject to the carnival that evening and the junk food we would eat and games we would play. The carnival was a blast and it was dark when we got back to the property. Jimmy and his parents went to the shed and Cheryl shared a bed with me in the camper. I was awakened in the middle of the night by Cheryl shaking me. From the look of her green face and the little light we had, it was evident that Cheryl had overindulged in junk food. I woke my parents up and let them know that Cheryl was feeling very nauseous. Mom and Dad took her outside and I followed. They carried her to the other side of the camper and I took a seat at the picnic table out in front. There was a crescent moon that night but the stars were very bright back then and I could see in the darkness once my eyes became accustomed. I sat at the table with my back to the camper facing the forest five lots down. I wasn't paying attention when a figure walked toward the picnic table. I immediately assumed it was my Aunt Beulah, as she would come out at night for smoke breaks. As the figure walked closer to me, I realized it was definitely not my Aunt Beulah, who had raven black hair and was very short. This figure had pale blonde hair and was very tall and slim on top of her head. I stared at her aghast. It was the lady from the picture who Jimmy and I called Lorelei. She was very pale in the dim light, almost a bluish white. She sat across from me at the picnic table and I stared at her, unable to form words. As she sat there eerily in the still night, suddenly she began to laugh. The same musical laughter I had heard in the old dilapidated house the summer before. And as before, the laugh started to change. It became a shrill cackling and as I looked at Lorelei or whatever this thing was, she also began to physically change. It was not a gradual metamorphosis. It was an instant change. The beautiful blonde hair was gone. Her hair was now gray and hung in matted clumps down to the back of her black hooded cloak. Her face was pale greenish, and worms appeared to be moving around under her skin as the flesh undulated. Her teeth were brown and very sharp and pointed like the teeth of a shark rather than a person. I was frozen there, unable to move or scream, absolutely in shock. The laugh turned to a screech and the horrific figure across the table began reaching for me. Her fingers were very long and skinny. She had sharp, pointy fingernails that started to scrape across my face. I suddenly was able to move but still had not found my voice. I jumped up from the picnic table and began to run, unable to scream for help. I ran barefoot across the road as fast as possible in the dark. As I kept running, not daring to look behind me, I heard her coming after me and gaining. Looking before me, I realized I was running foolishly straight toward the pond. I began to panic because there was no way to end that course. Lorelei was right behind me. I could smell her stinky breath. Once I reached the pond, there was nowhere to go. I turned to face her. Her eyes were glowing a fiery red in the dark. Her hands raised, reaching and grasping for me. Suddenly, I found my voice. I closed my eyes and began repeatedly screaming for my fate. As I continued to scream, I felt someone's hand on my shoulder, shaking me. It was my mom, and I was sitting at the picnic table, no longer by the pond. 
I was so confused. My mom had asked me what was wrong with a look of extreme concern on her face. I was crying and trying to get it out. Lorelai, the horrible scream, the witchy appearance. My mom hugged me and told me that Lorelai was not honest and I must have fallen asleep at the picnic table and had a nightmare. I knew that was not the case. It was real. My feet still hurt from running across the sharp rocks barefoot. I know Lorelai had been there that night and she was pure evil. We went back to the camper and it took me a long time to fall asleep. The following day dawned as ever and Cheryl's parents came to take her back home. After she left, I grabbed Jimmy and told him I needed to speak with him as I knew he would believe me about what happened, and this was no nightmare. I told him everything that happened the night before. We decided to walk over to the pond and investigate. As we got closer to the pond where Lorelai had confronted me, we looked down at the mud beside the water's edge and saw one lone footprint, a footprint about the size of mine. I looked at Jimmy and he looked at me. I slowly reached down, took my shoe off, and placed my foot gingerly into the footprint. It was a perfect fit. I put my shoe on quickly and Jimmy and I ran back to the camper. We both knew that Lorelai was real, no matter what the adults said, and we both vowed to never go out by ourselves after dark. The rest of the summer passed by quickly, and we never went to the forest or alone past nightfall. Our parents never seemed to notice, so we kept it our secret. That summer ended and it was back to school. Tragically, in the fall, Aunt Pula died of a sudden heart attack. Everyone was so grief-stricken and no longer wanted to go out to Lake Lorelei as it wasn't the same without her. The property was eventually sold and I never returned to Lake Lorelei again. I still don't know exactly what went on that night. As an adult, I'm sure that the entity was not Lorelei, the siren from Norse mythology, but I am just as confident that she was fundamental to this day. I still can't explain how I ended up back at the picnic table. But knowing what happened that night, I often wonder if the dilapidated house is still there alone in the middle of the forest, and if Lorelai still haunts that land. Jimmy sadly passed away two years ago, and I no longer have anyone to discuss this frightening encounter with. At least, no one would believe me. Rest in peace, Jimmy. I dedicate this to you. This is not my tale. It is a story that my boss once told me during a break at work. I will change the names but try my best to describe everything else exactly as it was said to me. In the early 1990s, Jeremy and Susie had been dating for about a few weeks and were becoming very close. Late night lovers lane trips were becoming common for them. Both had come from homes in rural settings, so often they would end up in the outdoors on long hikes or parked on a lonely logging road. On this night, Susie and Jeremy were out in the logging country of the Pacific Northwest. They had parked Jeremy's Jeep at the top of a landing and had walked down into a clear cut until they found a nice grassy patch on the hillside where they could comfortably sit and watch the sky. They whispered for some time as they cuddled each other. Off in the distance, they could hear occasional screeches from an owl or maybe a mouse running through the underbrush. Neither one was alarmed when they heard the rustling noise coming from the far end of the clearing. There were a lot of deer and elk in the area, after all. The noise slowly moved in their direction. Jeremy told Susie to listen and see if she heard it too. She replied that she did and they both sat in silence, listening to the limbs brush aside and twigs snapping underfoot as something made its way across the opening. Still thinking it must be an animal foraging in the shrubs, they resumed talking. 
Jeremy was keeping track of the noise, though. He assumed at some point it would turn and go in a different direction once it realized humans were nearby. It did not. Jeremy told Susie that whatever was out there seemed bold if it was an animal. Once again, he told her to be quiet and listen closely. By now, the shuffling sounds were maybe a hundred yards away. Jeremy let out a loud whistle, thinking he would hear the familiar noise of a deer bounding away. Instead, there was silence. Then the movement returned, still coming toward them. Jeremy shouted, Whoever is out there, you better not come any closer. I am armed. He unsnapped the buckle on his concealed carry handgun and waited. Jeremy wanted to see who was out there and give them a piece of his mind if he got the chance. Susie had other ideas, though. It was all too real and spooky when Jeremy readied his firearm. She began to beg to leave and her voice was very hysterical. With the noise still approaching and Susie losing her composure, he decided that maybe it was an excellent time to go home. They quickly made their way to the jeep and drove the 20 miles back to home. Jeremy returned to the clear cut a week later with his best friend Sean. They arrived shortly before dark and purposely parked the jeep a little further from the landing. Both men were in full camouflage carrying binoculars and their sidearms. They made their way to a vantage point where they could watch the opening while hoping to remain unobserved. Right on the edge of the dark, they saw a man step into the clearing. He appeared at approximately the exact location where the noises started the week before. There was just enough light to tell that the man looked disheveled in raggedy clothes, unkempt hair, and a thick beard. The man was moving oddly, as though he was under drugs or had some mental disorder. Whatever the case, he did not belong there, and it creeped out Jeremy knowing it was probably this man who had been coming to them the night that they were out there. Even despite a warning, the man didn't stop. So what was the guy's intent? What would he have done if he ever reached them? Where did he come from? The nearest house that they knew of was at least 10 miles away. Jeremy and Sean decided to leave things as they were and sneak back to the jeep. Their only answer was what, but to who or why, they never knew. It could have just been a harmless hermit with an undeveloped mind. However, you never really know for sure. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Thank you to all the viewers who sent in their stories as well. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep us going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed today's stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets on YouTube, the more they promote it in the algorithm, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you would also like to help the swamp grow, please be sure to drop a comment down below letting me know what story was your favorite tonight. I'd love to see the conversation. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on those platforms as it helps us grow over there and is very much appreciated. 
Thank you for always supporting The Swamp the way you do. Be sure to check out the merch store if you haven't. We got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Come join me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to not miss any behind-the-scenes action. You can also join our new Discord that we have set up. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.